Welcome everybody, I'm Jared, he's DJ, and this is Number One Bullshit. Dude, we have a baddest motherfucker on the planet. It is official. Oh yeah, we do. Just engage. Yeah. Um, baddest motherfucker, I don't know, but what a fucking fight. Like, I almost... Because of the way it ended, sure, awesome. But you kind of want this to be like as long as it can be because it's yeah. these two guys. But holy shit, dude! Holy shit! Yeah, it would. I mean, round one, just a awesome, awesome round. Like Gaethje was landing more. He very quickly answered the question that I had about the leg kicks. Yeah, well, right. Yeah. Like in the first fight, he was throwing because it's you know Poirier southpaw. He was throwing the leg kick to the inside thigh of Poirier's lead leg. He went with the lead leg leg kick to the calf, which we haven't seen people do a lot. You actually hear people say that it's not overly effective because to really get the hit the nerve on the calf kick, it's got to be mirrored stance. Gaethje said, nah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, like uh, it works for me, dude. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder how much of that just has to do with like his hip flexibility, his ability to land those in a close distance. Because it was bothering Poirier. Yeah, oh, you yeah. could see it, you know, right off the bat. It was bothering him. Uh, kind of a, an interesting adjustment, right? Because that's, I wonder how much that will be mirrored by other fighters moving forward. Like, hey, you know, as long as the foot placement's right, we can get the calf kick lead leg to lead leg. It'll be interesting to see if that catches on. Uh, but I thought Poirier in the first round, he wasn't landing as much as, Ga- as Gaethje, but they were of more consequence, which is kind of crazy saying in a Gaethje fight. Uh, but like that straight left absolutely stung Gaethje. You could tell he was hurt there. Uh, but awesome fight. It's just to have such a crazy finish and not disappointment, but it's like, man, I wish that could have gone longer, yeah. right? Like we were scheduled for 25. Be- because these guys have fought already, you know what could be. But, I mean, the parallel, the head kick, the Damn. you know the the arena that's in the the moment because uh, whatever the bad motherfucker belt cool but realistically now Very if I'm cool. if I'm Gaethje, I, I mean your last performance and and if you don't if you don't talk shit talk your shit into a title fight now um, Gaethje looked good it just it it you know they keep talking this is the new Gaethje or whatever and you're like it is it was yeah it was great to see um and. and Credit to Poirier, too. He always looks game. Even when he's getting tagged, it's always like he was really messing with his pants a lot this time. I know he does it a lot, but this time it was yeah. a lot. Um, and then, you My know. man was tanned up, too. Dude, he was He'd been hanging out in the sun. <laughs> and then, you know, Herb Dean going in and, like, probably adding a little concussion. Yo, he might he might have cracked a rib. He, like, there's a there's an angle from cage side of, of the finish of the fight. And when Herb Dean like comes sliding in, which he was safe, yeah. Uh, yeah. he lands straight on his rib cage. <laughs> like, oh, and you yeah. kind of see Poirier like bounce from it. It's like, oh, that's, I mean, I get it. Like, you rather have that maybe <laughs> than, <sighs> than having uh, another hammer it's fist. Like, let me get punched one more time, dude. My ribs are broke. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least then I can breathe. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, there's just something about Salt Lake City, I guess, with the head kicks. And the crazy part is, you know, Gaethje and Usman are in the same camp. Yeah. Right. And so it happened to his teammate in that same building. And it was basically the same setup where he left the front hand out before throwing the kick. I think uh, 
um, Edwards through the punch before uh, to to help set it up. But basically the same setup. Like it, it was wild to see the second it hit, just the way he fell over. It, you know, it, it was and, it was crazy, and it it really is a new Gagey because we've talked about it for years. Like he goes full zombie when he gets hit. And it was like he caught himself this time, right? He got hit and hurt in the first round. He he started to, he threw like one, and then he was like, hey, man, <laughs> like yep. I got to gotta relax. Uh, and to see that kind of progression is awesome. This relatively late in his career, you know, like his whole life, I'm sure, like that's his response is I get hit, I'm going to hit you back. So to train himself to have that calmer demeanor is impressive. Yeah, and, and it's even crazy to say because, first of all, it wasn't even – in my opinion, the best head kick knockout of this event, which is insane to say. Yep. You know, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But live, I was like, where he blocked it, right? Like, it was just like, damn, like, how strong was that kick? And then you see the replay, and some of it got through. Um, but to kind of take away from the fight real quick, the corniness of that belt, even Jorge Masvidal handing it to him was fucking awkward. It's just dumb. Yeah. Can we just stop? And then to, like, no. have to have another fighter who we'll talk about later say they're going to go back up to 185 because the BMF belt's not at one set. It's just like, can we can we make this the last one? Can we because oh, so so what if let's live in a world Gaethje has the BMF belt and he fights for the title next and he wins. He's a two title holder. Come on, like let's just stop. Let's just stop with it. Well, I'm sure he doesn't really care about the paper belt <laughs> that he would be fighting for because he's got the only hardware that matters. So um, but it's kind of funny because like the. Poirier was kind of talking it up, and I don't know if that was just promotion or if he actually cared, uh, whereas Gaethje wasn't, yeah. <laughs> you know, and Gaethje's also the guy that just, when he got the interim belt, just, like, set it down on the ground because it just doesn't matter to him. Yeah. So I'm sure they talked to him before, like, hey, man, if you win this, like, you you can't just, like, badmouth it. I'm sure. <laughs> just don't say anything, but don't badmouth it. Yeah, yeah but, like, okay. but look at the optics of that. When I win the interim belt, I make a point to talk about how, like, unimpressive this is, but then during his post fight of this BMF belt. It's like it's I don't I don't I don't get this angle, but whatever. I don't want to take away from his performance. I'm ready to see him fight, which I'm sure I mean I'm sure he can talk his way into like the Islam Oliveira winner unless yeah. Volk does something. But with Connor calling you out, if I'm Gaethje, I'm like I get a big payday and knock somebody out that I probably could. It's it's a hard decision to make, right? Did you hear what he said? No, not at all. <laughs> so initially his first response to Megan O'Leary, uh, cause she like read the Connor's tweet to him. Yeah. He was like, are, are we live on air? And she was like, no. And he was like, man, fuck that guy. <laughs> he's like, I'm not even going to, I don't even need to talk about him. And then <laughs> later on, Gagey said, uh, like, we don't need to talk about him. I'm pretty sure you have to be coming off of a loss to fight that guy anyway. So why are we talking about it? <laughs> it's, it's absolutely true, but Let's be honest. You throw paper in your in your face. Yeah. It, it, Anik had the comment of like, yeah, I'm sure if you guarantee him five mil, he's taking that fight. But even it, it probably doesn't even need to be that high. Five mil is probably a number that I bet you one mil. It's like one mil and you'll guarantee a title shot. Uh, why wouldn't you take that fight? Who who thinks that Gaethje's going to lose to McGregor? Right? And they, and Oliveira, um, I say Khabib, damn. Um, Islam are fighting in October. It's July. I mean, it's the end of July. You got time. I, I'm. I don't want to see that fight. I want to see. I want to see Gaethje just because he is getting up in age. Fight for something that like matters. But you know, get a little bit of money at the end of your career. Why not? Yeah, and I think it's going to depend on who wins 
uh, Islam Oliver, yep. right? Because like if Islam wins, great new matchup. You know, if Oliveira wins, I'm sure Gaethje would be pushing for it more because he, you know, then you get the opportunity to get one back, which he just did. Yep. You know, against Poirier, but then I think it's a little harder of a sell for the UFC because they're like, hey, we saw this and. Gaethje hurt him, but like at the end of the day, it was a, a relatively quick fight. Not a hard sell when you just got one back, though, right? True. I'm, I'm, True. I'm a new person. I, you all just, I had a four round fight with Poirier, which he stopped me. And then in the second round, I, I mean, you can, you can build it up. And I'd rather see him fight one of those two dudes. Um, but unfortunately, not unfortunate, unfortunately, is like you do have Volk there. So if like Islam wins, you have to choose between New Blood Gaethje or someone that, fought Islam at, at the highest, you know, competitive level. So, um, Gaethje just put himself in a great position. He looked great. Loved it. Great way to end yeah. the night. Yeah. Yeah. And just, uh, to have that, I mean, it was like a walk off. I get there was the hammer fist, but it, it wasn't entirely necessary. Uh, but it was, yeah, that, that gets me excited about Gaethje, uh, again, because not only is it the wildness that, that you expect from him, but now, there is that elevated level of like reserve that is going to only help him, especially in a in a fight against a guy like either Oliveira or uh, Islam. And against Oliveira last time, like he knocked him down a couple times and let him up each time. But people have a tendency that like once you start going after either of those guys, you're getting in trouble because yep. Oliveira catches people. And Islam's going to take you down if you get overly aggressive. And and so I think this new version of Gaethje is only going to help him in that hunt for the title. And, and, and let's not forget, Gaethje had success against Khabib. You were just at a Khabib just lost his father end of his career fight. We're like, I don't know if anybody beats that man on that night, right? So, like, yep. Gaethje wasn't doing terrible. It's just Khabib, was, there was nothing that was going to – I mean, sometimes you just see it where I'm not going to lose, and it felt like that for – but this Oliveira win over Darius to fight for the title again is amazing. Just, Justin yeah. Gaethje just doing this amazing. Like, okay, at least we have this triangle effect with Volk in the background where it's like, okay, you know, like the top the top of the divisions, like exciting. Yeah, and this is going to give some time too. There, there was a, a big time fight announcement coming up in that division that we'll talk about. And then also you have, uh, it gives time to a guy like Armin Sarukian who can kind of, and let's not forget about fucking Grant Dawson. Right, like what he just did to Demiris Magulov was so impressive. Yep. There's there's time for these guys to kind of get another fight under their belt, prove that they're championship worthy before like having to to actually fight for the belt. So that that division it's playing out well with the old guard and the new guard. It seems like where it's going to be a relatively smooth transition there, yep. um, and not just be the old guard at the top, not letting anybody in. Our co-main. You know, talking about possible implications for another uh, uh, the title at two hundred five, which it's really weird because before we get into the details of the fight, like Yuri vacated the belt, they took him out of the rankings, but then they just put him back in at number one. Jamal Hill said he was vacating the belt, belt, but they haven't taken the belt from him. It's like a really weird deal that they got going on there. Um, but I digress. <laughs> you know, talking about the fight. The uh, I thought Jan had an amazing game plan in the first round. Yep. As far as like, I mean, at the end of the day, there wasn't a lot of damage, but he was threatening, right? Like Poetan had to make sure that he was minding his P's and Q's so he didn't get choked out. 
ultimately, if you're Jan, you win the round. Yeah. Right. And you have a ref in that situation who I think now is the best in the game and Mark Goddard, where he's letting it play out. He's not like trying to interject himself or tell guys to do more. You know, I love the way that first round played out for Jan. It made me a little nervous that the whole fight was going to play out that way. And it's just like, ah, we're not going to see this, you know, stand up war that, that we were kind of expecting. Second round started kind of the same way. And, and but then once Poetan got up, I thought it was like the altitude. I don't know if it was the altitude, if it was the grappling. I don't know what it was, but Jan was gassed, gassed. Yeah. After the first round, like during the first round, I was like, wow, if he doesn't stop him, like Poetan should be more tired. And then he got up for the in between rounds. And my initial thought was, Jan looks exhausted. And I was surprised, right? I was surprised about how gassed he made himself because uh, he was working. But he wasn't working that hard. Like, he he had his legs around, uh, you know, in the triangle hold. Um, and he was trying to get it. But I didn't think that he overworked himself. So that altitude must have just messed him up. Um, that, that and we can't underestimate the resistance of, like, um, Poetan is a big, strong guy. Yeah. Right? I mean, he was, I think, 228, they said, coming into the fight. Massive. About at 185, he, man. Yeah, scary. Uh, but when he's trying to stand back up, like not only do you have the lock, like you're you're having to exert force to keep that guy on the ground. Sure. So I think that that might have played into it, right? Because just like think about constantly, it's almost like trying to hold something up or pushing against something that's pushing back, right? For the the duration of that. But except, yeah, it, it was a for, little except, except for that you're on top pushing down, right? So it's not yeah. like you're trying to hold something up. I mean, realistically, this is this shows how good of shape Poetan's in because he was actually holding somebody up. I mean, he you know he wasn't on the ground, he wasn't on his knees, he was on what one knee, one foot. Um, his defense, I mean, credit to Teixeira. I guess drowning people is the way to train, yeah. dude. Um, and then the stand up. I mean, I believe numbers show that Poetan just uh, outclassed him in the stand up. It, it didn't feel as as wild as it was. Um, the, to kind of jump to the decision, I thought that they were going to give it to Jan. I thought they were going to give it to Jan. Um, I'm not like, I'm not completely disagreeing. I would like to watch it again, but, but Poetan winning makes the division a little bit more exciting. A little more exciting. You, you do have to feel for Jan though. Cause just the, I thought. Second round after Poetan stood back up, it was like, okay, the fight is changing now. And and he was getting the better of the exchanges in the second round. Third round, though, like Poetan wasn't overly aggressive, you know, which was a, it was a kind of reserved approach there. But it gets into are the bursts of punches valued more than the calf kicks? And like, obviously, the calf kicks did damage. It looked like he had a freaking ice pack under his skin on his calf. Like, that was oh, yes. disgusting. Yes, it was. But the the optics were a little weird because Jan looked so gassed. He had the bruise on his leg. He had his nose busted up. But ultimately, I thought Jan had those little three, four punch flurries and then look exhausted again and then would have another one. And he was connecting on those. Yeah, like there was. were some good uppercuts in there, some good hooks. But at the end of the day, it's being judged, right? It's not about a score of this person connected this many times. It's Ultimately, it's about optics and what it looks like. And when you have Poetan there who doesn't look phased by anything, and I think that the the lack of the cut helped his chin 
because he took a couple very clean shots from uh, Blahovich and Blahovich took some clean shots from yeah, from did. Poetan too and it you know he was okay so that tells us a little bit about the power translating up now obviously Blahovich is a gigantic human right big skull like I don't know if everyone's going to be able to take those punches like that but yeah it's optically it looked better for Poetan in round three but I think if you're in the cage are you rather getting uppercutted by Jan or calf kicked by Poetan. For sure. Yeah. And and I want to make two comments on what you just said. One, uh, even John Anik said it after the after the event. He was like, you know, I he 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 I think he what he said was, I think Jan won, but how does it look if you raise the winner's hand and he's looking exhausted? It doesn't matter how it looks if he won. So I don't really care for that that much. But to your second point, I mean Poetan did look reserved. Now, is he? Does he just have the all-time game poker face where he's exhausted and he just won't show you? Because I would believe that because this man has no emotion, right? Um, or is it just one of those realizations that if you're in this division, people are bigger, people are thicker, your punches don't land as easy? Because when he connected with Jan, and when Jan's exhausted, and you're not even like really making him like walk backwards too much. Or is it just this is your first fight at 205, you're being reserved, you're, you're worried about a takedown. So his his path going to 205 is going to be real fun to watch because if he doesn't have that killer, you know, knockout power, then what does he have? Um, yep. Obviously he has good defense now, but he's going to be exciting for Jan. I mean, you know, change change your conditioning a little bit and you can hold him down for the second round. I mean, you know, you win because he doesn't knock you on a third. I don't know. It's just one of those weird yeah. fights. It, it's a bit of a theme now, though, with Jan, because like ultimately the Ankalaev fight, right? Like he rounds four and five was just gassed out and couldn't yep. do anything against Ankalaev in a fight that he he should have won. You know, we talked about it last week, but I still can't. I still don't see how anybody gave Ankalaev round three in that At fight. All. All. Uh, but the for Poetan, I I wonder how much of it too is just complete and utter faith in his corner. Right. Because when you listen to the corner between rounds two and three, it wasn't like, hey, we got to put this guy out. It was calf kicks. Yeah. Keep kicking the calf. Keep kicking the calf. And he did. Right. And so I think it was probably a combination of everything. Right. Like, don't get taken down. He felt Jan's power. And then also, like, why put yourself in danger when you know that you can just eat this guy's leg up? But moving forward, there's there's interesting matchups. Right. Do they give I, I think ultimately Yuri's first fight back will be for a title, whether it's interim or however they end up doing it, if they actually take the, if they actually honor Jamal Hill's wishes and and let him give the belt up. Uh, If that's the case, I don't think this performance warrants a title shot for Pajeda, but you have a great story in his mentor. Glover Teixeira was beating Yuri, you know, was minutes away or a minute, whatever it was from retaining his title. And then he loses, right? Like, do you, you could build that up. And then also, Yuri's a wild man. He's not going to be scared of getting into exchanges with Pajeda, which just makes for a fun fight. You know, the other thing you could do is if you if Yuri has another fight, you know, maybe you have Ankalaev fight Poetan, or if you're going to do Yuri versus Ankalaev, which is what I think the title fight should be, uh, you know, maybe Rakic's comeback. Uh, you have him fight Poetan. Because, like, at the end of the day, Split decision. He did just beat number three, but also, yeah. you know that that's kind of quick to to give him a title shot, uh, especially when it's you. Then know immediately whoever wins that fight is going to have to fight Hill when he comes back, anyways. Yeah, I, I think I, they can. 
Give him one more fight. Yeah, I would give him one more fight too, just to kind of figure out the injuries because, you know, the Achilles Hill injury apparently is going to take crazy amount of time. So just give him another fight because that wasn't a championship caliber win, right? And honestly, I got some questions about him at 205 now, which is going to be interesting to see him back, you know, maybe not at uh, altitude, and and kind of see where his power is because you had, like I said, you had Yawn exhausted and it didn't even seem like his punches hurt him. It just seemed like an exhausted man couldn't get out of the way. And he didn't seem like he had that 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 killer go forward, which maybe he learned from you know his last fight. He had to shake the cobwebs off. I'm excited to see his feature in the 205 division, but it, it does, this is not warrant a title fight. And if he gets one, I'll watch it, but it doesn't warrant it. Yeah, and ultimately, if you have a fight in Brazil, maybe him versus Johnny Walker could be some fun. <laughs> that would be insane, dude. That would be insane. <laughs> and then the uh, you know, first fight on the main card, we had... Uh, Kiesa versus Holland at welterweight. There's a huge win for Kevin Holland. Huge win. I mean, improvement in the wrestling, right? Not that Kiesa was ever some like amazing takedown guy, but like ultimately he's a grappler. Um, and if Kevin Holland can defend the takedown, he doesn't have to wrestle offensively. Nope. He just has to not get taken down. And he did exactly that. Every strike he threw, it looked like Kiesa did not like it. <laughs> Every all. time. At all. And, I mean, Kiesa's coming off a long layoff, but Kiesa looked big. He looked healthy. He looked in shape. So I don't want to make it seem like he wasn't in shape. Now, is there an injury lingering? Is there some mental issues where it's like, I'm back in the cage? Kevin Holland did what he had to do, and it was awesome to see. It was awesome to see, man. Even to choke. Who? I mean, I just I didn't go into that fight thinking, yeah, Kevin Holland might be able to choke him out at all. It was great. Great what, performance. What's wild is uh... – Kiesa was on DC and RC, and DC was giving him shit for getting Darst multiple times, yeah. and then he goes out and gets Darst again. Um, yeah, insane. not not good. Uh, but the one thing that I didn't like about Kevin Holland is this: is right after the fight, he's like, "Yeah, I'm done at 170. I want to go up to 185 again." And it's just like, dude, you so you put on a great performance, but then basically the story you're telling is, "I don't. I'd rather eat and do what I want to do than." make a legitimate run at the title because do we think that his wrestling has improved to the point where Marvin Vittori isn't taking him down? No, no. You know, you don't got to worry about freaking Chimaev anymore at 170. Like your path is so much cleaner. You know, I think he has a better chance at stopping Bilal's takedowns than he does Vittori or or Robert Whitaker for that matter. You know, like I just, I, I don't like that for Holland, especially because I think this is his first win over a ranked opponent. Like you're, you are now top 15 at welterweight. So I, I hope that was just kind of a in-the-moment thing because if if he really is like, no, I'm going back up to 185, I, I don't know if the run ever happens. Yeah, and and like I said, the corniness around it, the, the reason is you want to eat and stuff, and there's no BMF belt in 170. It's like, I he's a grown man. Do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. But you looked great against a guy that people – was he even the favorite? I don't think he was the favorite in that fight, was he? Uh, yeah, I think Holland might have been the okay, favorite. Okay, so I know there was one fight that I was surprised about who the favorite was. But regardless, you just had a great performance against a guy that, you know, you have to beat in this division to get to that next level. You did it. You did it without even really looking in danger. Staying at, I hope his camp 
just kind of pulls him aside and is like, man, this is a good division for it. Let's do one more fight, say how you feel type of thing, right? Keep, like, dangling that carrot. You do one more fight, and then we'll do it. But maybe for him, he doesn't like the weight cut. I don't know. Hopefully, we'll get a little bit more on that. Kevin Holland's not someone to keep stuff to himself, so we'll know. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, it was just a spur-of-the-moment thing where he was trying to, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, like, either division, we're going to watch it, right? Like, the man is must-see TV. But at the end, if I want to see him start to break into the upper echelons, fighting some of those top flight guys, because that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yep. But if it gets to a point where like you just can't handle the size and you're constantly now you're fighting borderline top 15 guys, that's not I mean, he's collecting paychecks, but from a fan standpoint, not as as exciting. Yeah, I don't get it, but we'll see. And, and then we had uh, Bobby Green versus El Kakui. It just it, it makes me sad, right? Like he, I, I was a little excited because my man hit hit the the slide steps and everything beforehand. <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, maybe he's okay. He looks really old in the face and with the gray hair, and you know, he looks old. But he once again, like he did against Chandler, he looked good early. Uh, everything was different after the eye poke. Yeah, I thought it was really, and who knows, it might have happened anyways. You know, the recent history tells us it would have happened anyways, but the doctor didn't even like wipe his eye out for like a minute and a half until they had to ask for it. I thought that was really Bizarre. weird. Um, like the ref said, wipe that gunk out of his eye, which is yeah. ridiculous. You're a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. did, did not like that. I never thought I'd see that even prior to the, uh, the submission finish, which I don't think that was on anyone's bingo card, No, uh, but I, I never thought I'd see the day of Tony Ferguson getting, you know, ground, badly ground and pounded by uh, essentially a boxer and i get it he's he's a mixed martial artist he has submission wins all that stuff but like we know bobby green for his boxing and like at the end of the day he's getting ground and pounded by by a boxer which is a beatdown and 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 to get submitted very bizarre the way he got submitted like the the kicking up it was very bizarre um because at first i was like dude is he like even seizing yeah dude it was weird and then yeah. when you see his body go limp, you're like, ah. But Bobby Green did what he had to do. Here's the problem with Tony Ferguson is that if he's not out, he's in. You know what I'm saying? It's like if you can't put him out, he's always just going to be there. Problem is, is that he's there getting his ass whooped. I mean, he's getting just battered. Uh, good for Bobby Green. I don't really know what you do with Bobby Green from here beating Tony Ferguson. Um, but he deserves something. I mean, he looked good. He looked good. Yeah. Yeah, he – no, granted, and Ferguson still had that power. You saw when he touched yes, him early. Yes. Right? You know, Bobby Green was hurting. But, I mean, like, also at the end of the day, Bobby Green needed this, right? There was the the clash of heads against Jared Gordon, which does not go down as a win. Um, he, had, he had two losses before that, right? To, granted, it was to Drew Dober and Islam, but you know, Bobby Green's a little up there in age. He's 36, which at, at lightweight isn't, isn't great. Tony, beating Tony Ferguson, I, I don't think, moves you up. Right, like you, you just handed a guy his sixth loss in a row. I don't think it it moves you up. I, I do think though, with Bobby Green, it's always just going to be, let's get this man an exciting fight. Yeah, like we have somebody that's going to stand and throw with him. Cool, let's do that. Uh, and and I think that's going to kind of be the rest of his career. Uh, you know, is just getting into those exciting fights. Yeah, to uh. To Ferguson's credit, my man went full Jesus. He, went full he did Jesus, not, dude. yeah, did not tap, Mm-mm. did not tap. Uh, and I don't think anyone ever thought he was going to tap when no. you look at 
what happened in like the Oliveira fight, you know, with his arm. And like, I, I don't think that's in Ferguson's DNA uh, to, to give up on anything, but I hope the UFC has that like, Hey, we're not going to tell you to stop fighting, but we're going to tell you, you can't fight here. Anymore. Yeah. I, I was just about to make that comment. Do you think, uh, or raise the question, do you think that Ferguson contract with the UFC is up now? It should be, but do you think that it's up? Yeah, the the hard I hope so, but like the hard part is you either have to you have to cut him, you right? Because they're contractually obligated if he is still under contract, they have to offer him fights. They're required by the w- words in the contract, they have to offer I think it's 3 3 opponents per year. So they're unless they cut him, they have to offer him a fight. Well, I, I hope they cut him because even leading up to this 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 fight this week or last week, um, you know, Ferguson was even like, you know, I, with the Diaz fight, he made a comment like I let him win. It's like, ah, oh, we just we you can't keep making an excuse that like you're you're not at top form or, or that you you let someone I mean the Diaz fight was really bizarre. It was a bizarre fight. But you let him win because he was this was his last fight. It it's like the his team needs to sit him down and be like, look, there's something going on, and we're not getting the results, and it's clear. It, we're not getting the results not because we're losing, you know, bad decisions. We're not getting results because people are just outclassing you. The game is further expanded than you. Yeah, you still got strength, but you're not knocking nobody out anymore. So, yeah, it's a uh, yeah. To your point, maybe they don't cut him, but I I don't need to see him fight again. The unfortunate thing is, if they do cut him, he'll be in another league. Yeah. Another promotion fighting in no time. Yeah. I mean, like ultimately the the chin's gonna go eventually. Yeah. Right? Like you can't keep getting hit like that. He's and... also been knocked out. Like Chandler knocked him out cold. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I don't want to see it as like a Bigfoot Silva situation yeah. where, you know, he's in like these tiny organizations just getting beaten unconscious and like can barely walk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's this is the sad part about being a fan of the sport is you more often than not, you start to see these things happen. And now it's not always six fights in a row because usually they cut them before that. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope that like you said, his team is like, Hey, we just think about it, man, to move on. 12 fight win streak to a six fight lose streak. Um, and Tony Ferguson, unfortunately, you know, he's always kind of a corny guy. He's just weird. But, like, he seems like one of those guys that you meet that's 50 years old still talking about high school football where, like, he's still in his mind. He's like, he's that guy. I used to be this guy. It's like, yeah, I know. But you're clearly not that same guy. Now, I'm not saying that you can't beat people, but you're not beating ranked people. And I don't even know if you're beating people consistently outside of the rankings, the top 15. So, yep, hopefully as a fan of him or a fan of what he used to be, hopefully it's just we don't see him in the uh, UFC anymore. Now, somebody else that we might not see in the UFC anymore because their contract is up, uh, but put on a hell of a performance, Derek Lewis. Derek, my balls is hot, Lewis. Yeah, yeah, right. Shorts off, just crotch chopping. Absolutely loved it. Suck it, dude. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to know how Jared DeLima took that knee clean. When they initially, I thought he just kind of like it took him aback and he fell over. But then when you saw the replay, that shit hit him flush on the chin. Um, yeah, that was, I mean, what a performance come out flying knee, put him down. And my initial thought was like, Oh, he just broke the record. Yeah, like know, he just right? the fastest I knockout. Uh, but Jared DeLima obviously has an insane chin, uh, because we've seen a lot of people go out from Derek Lewis's ground and pound 
the fact that he didn't is is impressive in its own right. But what a what a great if that is his last performance in the UFC, good on him. Yeah. You know, to to do that, he broke the record. Uh, Matt Brown tweeted out beforehand, like, I hope he does not get a knockout. So now we have to watch Matt Brown knock somebody else out. <laughs> uh, poor us. Uh, but right. actually, what this does with him as a free agent, and I know it was one of the most boring fights in, in MMA history, but I think we might have Ngannou's first opponent in PFL. Maybe. I, I don't. I, I have a different opinion. I don't see Derek Lewis leaving the UFC. Um, I think there's too much potential glory um, in the UFC for him, especially who – listen, when we were talking last week before the whole changeup, Derek Lewis being the burr, 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 feature prelim, this is why, because he has that extra thing. My man took off his pants, said suck it to everybody, threw his cup in the crowd. Why? Ew, gross. <laughs> but people love it. And then back on the, back on the mic, the post-fight talking about – his wife better have loved him when he was fat for 14. You know, all this stuff is like gold. The UFC keeps him. And Derek Lewis has this thing that when he punches people, it just feels harder than when other heavyweights punch people. It is insane the power that this man looks the torque that he looks like. If they get if they don't if they don't keep him, what a shame because he's got that extra something that the heavyweight division can use, which is personality and you always know that maybe he can knock somebody out. Imagine Derek Lewis fighting maybe one or two more, and then John Jones still in the background, him versus John Jones. I mean, like, you have these things. I hope they don't lose him, but if they do, you're right. Ngannou Lewis, too, can't be bad. It wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't be a bad fight. And it's about money yes. uh, at the end of the day because Derek Lewis knows if he goes to the PFL, he's going to get $2 million Correct. for his first fight. Correct. Absolutely. Knows it. So – like this is one of the first times too where it's out in the open, mm-hmm. right? So now the UFC has to has to not necessarily match it, but come close. Absolutely, right? And and so that I hope that Derek Lewis is a little vocal about what's going on in the negotiations. It might give us some insight uh, because the UFC is so guarded with with their contracts. Uh, but regardless. Must see TV, whether it's in the PFL smart cage or in the UFC's <laughs> octagon. Like, I, I want to watch this guy fight people. Uh, so awesome, awesome to see. Also, awesome to see my man Chase Hooperov, uh, aka Roman <laughs> Kopilov. Uh, his striking is really fun to watch. Yep. I mean, he was, it's so quick, so slick. The now he did get caught a couple times by uh, Barrow you know, late in the round, but that head kick was so fast. And ultimately it was a symptom of Ribeiro having no idea what was coming. Right. Because Kapilov faints is completely out of punching range and a barrel throws a left hook to try to counter and is just wide open for it. Like the difference between that one and the Poirier one, like Poirier, didn't necessarily see it coming until it was too late, but got a hand up to attempt to yep. block it. There was no defense for this. He was so exposed from throwing that hook. Mouth open. Yes. And scary. And it hit him. He got on the ground. He looked confused. He looked like he just saw William Defoe. Um, he looked super <laughs> yes. confused. Yes, and confused. Then, yeah, super confused. It was whap. I mean, like to hear I love the fact that like the UFC's it's not just recent it's been a while now like definitely since covid that we just hear the impact more because it makes a difference it makes a difference Mm -hmm. to hear that 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 smack um 
it was so fast and so clean, man. And and you see that you see this on the undercard. You don't think there's going to be another head kick, like insane, insane. Which I I have a problem with the per- performance bonuses. Um, they gave out four, and it was the four finishes on the main card. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think that this finish. We're we're gonna talk about Bonfi a little bit. I think this finish was more exciting than Bonfi, right? Um, definitely more exciting than Tony Ferguson, Bob. Uh, I mean, uh, Kevin Holland and Tony Ferguson's. I mean, uh, Bobby Green's wins. But it's just the optic. That's when we talked about optics a little earlier. People might not have even seen the undercard. I don't know. I I just I agree with you on this. This should have been a performance. Yeah, I mean that is a because you better believe they're using that for their highlight reels. Yeah, right like that that's a highlight real moment you better believe that the ufc is going to use that to promote like it just kind of sucks that the it feels like the people that need the money more the people on the undercard don't get that shine don't get the money right like they that's not right those, those guys need that money and and so just a little disappointed to to see that play out that way and um, and and the UFC makes the rules. Why do you have to only have three or four? Have as many as like if you really want people to finish fights and not leave it to the hands of judges to make it exciting, then everybody in the card that was exciting and like maybe have a standard, right? Like if you just finish somebody, whatever. But if you have a if if Kevin Lee, I mean if Kevin Holland and Bobby Green are getting some, if that's the standard, I think he was above the standard. Give it oh, to yeah. him. Yeah, just give it to yeah. him. Like it's an extra I, fifty thousand out of y'all's pocket that doesn't matter. Just give it to him. I wonder if they have some issues with Kapilov. He's had a, quite a few canceled fights, and they've been his fault, whether it's visa issues or injuries and stuff like that. So I, who knows? Uh, he did call out Sean Strickland. Obviously, they're talking about Sean Strickland for a title fight. That's not going to happen. It'd be fun, right, yeah, just because it's striking. Yeah. Uh, possibly a top 15 next. I think he's got three wins in a row. Uh, so you know maybe he can sneak into the bottom half of that top 15 and to be honest the fight that i would really really like to see uh would be old body bags with a z joe pfeiffer uh i think you know that's just violence they're they're not taking each other down like that's gonna be uh, a russian and an american standing there just trying to <laughs> trying to knock each other out uh so you know we could go a little little rocky drago there could could be fun in another fight that was really fun uh, semi the Jedi Matt Semmelsberger versus the Doctor Yudos Medich. Um, wow, wow, wow. Sem- wow. Yeah, Semmelsberger does not know how to be boring. How is this not getting a bonus for fight of the night? Blows my mind. Um, the first round just back and forth, right? Like, I think Semmelsberger got hurt twice from up kicks. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, like absolutely. I mean, Medich got dropped. Semmelsberger is one touch changed the fight. Power, you know, not necessarily knocking people out. Really interesting statistic. He's knocked his opponents down in the last four fights he's had, but is one in three in those fights. So he's knocking people down, but not knocking them out, which is kind of interesting, yeah. right? Uh, but the you saw Medich's approach change in that first round after he got knocked down. Uh, but then about halfway through the second round, that tide started turning, uh, and those kicks that, uh, that Medich throws. They are heavy. Super. I mean, everyone that was getting blocked was still like, oh, that there's no possible way that that feels good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. Medich, Medich, um, it, it, it was weird because watching the fight, you just, even though it's like back and forth close, it just felt like Simmelsberger was getting the better of him. Or like maybe he's just controlling it just a little bit more. If it's a 50-50 fight, he's got 51% of the fight, right? It just felt like that. Um, and then it just turns around and you're like, there's something that changed. Maybe it's the kicks or something. I don't know. Um, it was Hematoma on his shin was disgusting. <sighs> it looked like an egg, dude, like a was, giant ostrich egg. Because I didn't notice it at first. I thought it was just swelling of the ankle, and then like my eye caught it. Right, like I mean, I know they're showing his leg, but I was like, oh, that's swell. And then it just caught the hematoma. I'm like, oh, and and he's still using it to kick. Right, Kept throwing. Oh, I just I don't I'm, I don't have that in me. But um, what do you think about stoppage? Uh I don't. It kind of sucks, right? Because we've seen people come back from stuff like that. Right. I thought it was a hair quick, uh, just because I think only one, maybe two strikes landed on the ground and pound. I think part of it was it looked like he was starting to step in because of the spinning back fist, back elbow, whatever you want to call it, uh, because Semmelsberger's eyes looked a little funky. When yep. he first hit the ground, they then refocused, and but on one of the strikes, the eyes went a little funky again. And so I think... I mean, ultimately, like Simmelsberger got up and was able to walk, but was not steady. Yeah. You know, uh, he's shown that he's tough in the past, but as we've talked about on other fights, like this isn't a top 10 matchup. You don't want to see, there's no need for Simmelsberger to go out. Now, it's not a guarantee he would have gone unconscious. Uh, I think if you let one, maybe two more strikes go in the ground and pound, now you're playing with fire. Now it's, Oh, well, we needed to be sure, but then also maybe now he goes out. Yeah. So I I think that that was optically not the best stoppage, but also I can't argue that stoppage. Either. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. When it got stopped, I was like, ooh, and then it was seeing Simmelsberger's reaction afterwards. I was like, hmm. I didn't really think about the stoppage, but like you said, man, this not everybody needs to get put out if if you're just losing right like even with the Derek Lewis fight he didn't get put out it's just well he wasn't doing anything right like he wasn't he was, he was he just, just turtled turtled up but um wild fight great fight I mean that fight was everything that you wanted it to be it was I think I think it lived up to everything that like you were hyping it up to be I think it lived up to it, it I was happy to watch it it was awesome to get to that to the next fight yeah it was great mm-hmm. and and Medich now at 170 yep. like Really, really interesting. Now he moved up and weight did not look outsized or anything like that. He's going to be somebody that's fun to watch going forward because he's proven he's tough, right? He didn't give up on himself, was able to rebound from getting absolutely rocked a couple times. Uh, and the the power in those kicks is scary. Yep, you know, He's always going to be in fights if, if he can keep that that kick in power. Uh, another 170 or that that we highlighted last week, uh, you know, Jake Matthews. Not that Darius Flowers was the you know the highest profile opponent. He was supposed to be fighting somebody else, and and ultimately this is the guy that stepped in. I love what Matthew said after the fight of like people like Darius Flowers are the reason guys like us can get a paycheck because I didn't have a fight this week, you know because somebody French methoded. Uh, but the what I thought was kind of cool, and I don't know if he was actually playing possum or not, but it looked like Darius Flowers actually played possum on him, like I, I he got he hit clean. Yeah, yeah, I think he did. That yeah, that that was interesting. But the the body work by Jake Matthews is, well, yeah, I mean, was brutalizing him. You could tell he didn't like it. Every Flowers came out with such pressure and such a high pace, but every time that teep and then eventually the hook started going to the body, it was like a, 
Yeah. I'm going to step back. I got to catch my breath. That did not feel good. And I know you're going to bring up, was it a, was it a kick in the ouch pouch? I think, yeah. I think, yeah, his heel hit. I think that those body kicks accumulated. And I think it was mm-hmm. like, it was like, I felt something on my cup. I'm going to take that, take the opportunity because I don't know if that should have been a legit uh, stop in action. I mean, I think the referee did right because it looked like it. You know, he was up in the air and he like looked at the referee. Yeah. But watching the replay, it's like, ah, um, I don't know how consequential the cup part of it was. To I don't know, I don't know. I don't want to say someone didn't get hit in the balls, but it just feels like this is one of the ones that didn't feel like a legit kick to the groin. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it boils down to clarity on the rule because I don't think anybody can argue that the heel hit the cup. It did. Right. Like, I don't think we can argue that. Uh, once again, in on this, and I love Jake Matthews' approach, is like ultimately they said it was, uh, you know, a groin strike. So I can't do that. Yep. Uh, so, you know, like, good on him. Uh, that and him saying like he was pinpoint accurate on all the others. So he needs to k- carry that over. Like, what a way to address that. Uh, he made me even more of a fan Absolutely. of his based on this fight and not just the fighting, but the, you know, everything that went on afterwards. Uh, I just think there needs to be more clarity on the rule. You know, because Joe Rogan was making the argument like the impact was absorbed from the balls of the feet to the stomach and not the heel to the cup. But like, is that the rule? Is it what hits first? Is it if any point, any part of the body hits? My understanding is it's the latter. If any point it hits the groin area, that that is considered a groin strike. Uh, So, I, you know, but obviously there needs to be clarity there because you have a former two division world champion in Cormier saying the same thing of like, hey, that looked clean to me. And, you know, so there isn't that clarity. And I think part of it is just like as guys, we just know how bad it does hurt when it does land. But it has to be, it has to be talked about. And you'll remember because you remember everything. The fighter Mm -hmm. that need the guy and his foot ended up hitting him. You know, it was like the knee landed in the foot. It's almost the same scenario except for the foot was a little bit more clean. Like it was clearly like harder. But. In that case, well, then you could say the knee, the the chest in, took all the absorption from the knee and the, the foot should be inconsequential. But on this specific one, it just felt like maybe this was an opportunity for break, which seems like it helped out Matthews more than Flowers, right? It just yep. seems like after that, he was like, I'm in, I got my little rest, I'm in total control, and then he stops him. So, but great, yeah. great, um, great fight, actually, great first round. Flowers is super game, but Matthews, man, once he, once he got him on the ground, it was dunzo, dude. Yeah. And and I also love this too is seeing that, you know, we saw it in the fight with twins Basil uh when he came in on short notice against Della Maddalena. Like I love seeing these guys come in and like they're getting their opportunity and they're making the most of it, right? Like they're not getting I mean, ultimately this was a, a relatively one sided beating, but it wasn't you know, it wasn't like the one we saw a couple weeks ago with Jim Miller just like crack, you're done. Yeah. You know, it was like a game opponent, uh now, granted, it looked like two different weight classes. Jake Matthews looked like a, a welterweight frame, uh, and Flowers just looked looked a lot like smaller. Mighty Mouse, dude, it was weird how the size difference was big. It was noticeable. Yeah, well, and the crazy part is uh, Flowers is the one that's fought up at 185. Yeah. So, but I think that happens a lot more in a you know lower level competition because especially if you're a good prospect, like you just got to take the fights where you can get them. Uh, for Matthews moving forward, like he's still he's 28 years old. Yeah, no. Right, he has so many fights in the UFC. He's still only twenty eight. Uh, it's hard to call him a prospect. I know Joe Rogan did after the fight, but like, are you a prospect when you fought fifteen times in the UFC or whatever he has? Uh, 
heck, let's pair him and Medic. Yes. I, I think would be an awesome fight. Uh, and then depending on how fast you want to move Matthews, what do you want to do with Della Maddalena? I mean, you want to talk about filthy body work against filthy body work. You know, they're and and they're both Aussies. You know, maybe that's a fun little addition to the 293 card down in Australia. That one still needs a little bit more firepower uh, on the card. That's a main a main card type fight. Yeah, for sure. And and that would be great matchups. Um, but can we just step back real quick and just talk about flowers and buffers? Uh, oh, announcement. I dude. mean, like, how hype was that, dude? Like, <laughs> Buffer was on one last night. There was somebody else that he did it to. Was it uh, Blahovich? Maybe. I think it might have been. He went like nose to nose with a guy. No, because like, with Blahovich, it's like he almost missed the 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 fist bump. So it wasn't Blahovich. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but with Flowers, I mean, it was like it was like, dude, you are super into it right now. Like yeah. the crowd must have just got to. Him. I mean, I love to see it. I love to see it. But yes. how funny yeah. was it, man? He was hype. Yeah, I think Buff's like seventy years old. So like, good, good on you, man. Living, living that life. Absolutely love it. Uh, and then we got another legitimate welterweight prospect, twenty five years old. Yes, what Bonfim did. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Right. Like, what else can you say? Uh, he now has two guillotine wins. Uh, total of two minutes fight time yep. you know between those two trevin giles is is not a punk mm-hmm. by by any means and for him to do what he did it looked like he hurt him on the feet too you, you know oh, i yeah. mean when the the strikes hurt him uh when you look at it the i mean giles and i get it's a different weight class but up at 185 he has a win over uh roman delite Right, like he has a win over a top ten middleweight. He's not a punk, and what Bonfim did to him just thoroughly, thoroughly outclassed him. Um, Bonfim called out Magny because you know it's like the commercials. If you're a welterweight prospect, you call out Neil Magny. It's yeah, what you do, for sure. <laughs> you know, like everybody does it. Uh, but it's hard to talk a lot about the performance because there wasn't much of one. Right, it was fucking quick. It was like a minute thirteen, I think. I want to talk about the welterweight division. Like that's what I want to talk about because right now you have not only a new champ after you had this dominant run, not only do you have legitimate contenders, not looking at you, Colby, looking at you, Bilal Muhammad, but you have like a legitimate contender for the belt. But then you look at all of the welterweight prospects right now and not just that there's so many, but they're so different yep. in who they are, right? Probably the closest to being on, you know, the top five title fight uh, is Shavkat, right? So you have him, you have Della Maddalena, yep. you have Sean Brady, mm-hmm. who's kind of lost in the mix now because he's, you know, all the injuries. Ian Machado Gary, okay. uh, Fakradinov, right? Who we just saw brutalize Kevin Lee. Yep. Michael Morales mm-hmm. and Mike Malott. Yeah, that's insane. Like, holy shit. What that's a division. so many. Yes, for a division that was stale. I mean, like just crusty stale, right? <laughs> like you, you had you had Usman making laps, right? Yeah. Fighting people twice. Hamza, who everyone thought was the next guy, wasn't making weight. 
right now he's up a, a weight class and so it, it was a division where it's like shit like we're this is an old you know stale division and now you have one two three four five six, seven like legitimate prospects that what happens if jeff neal beats ian machado gary that's that that's the thing <laughs> like the welterweight division thinks that they're trying to compete for bantamweight status you know like which is awesome Right, especially with yeah. what you just said, Kamaru Usman just being at top, just lapping, Hamzat not showing up. Like, okay, give me all of these fights. I want to see all of these fights with Bilal in the background ready for a title fight. Come on. And then you have the old guard. Yeah. Right? Wonder Boy Thompson still, yep. like, with a win, yep. right? If if you have him fight one of these top up-and-comers, yep. why not? Exactly. Yeah. And the guy that I think everyone's forgetting, I certainly did, Dorino. Ooh, I, I mean, did. Gilbert Burns is still there. And what about the wild card? What's the wild card, man? MVP. Yes. Oh. <laughs> could you imagine? Could you if if MVP comes to this vision and we start seeing these matchups, it might be on par or overtake bantamweight. I mean, th- I forgot about Dorino. Holy shit. Maybe Kevin Holland's smart and not staying at one seventy. Nah, because he makes the division <laughs> fun, dude. Yes, oh. and. The guy who missed weight, though, who's a top 15, Michelle Pajeda. Ooh. Yeah, and you can't accuse him of, of anything other than being fun, yeah, right? Exactly, like, exactly, I right. mean, that's like the fight might not always like play out to, to his benefit, but some weird shit's going to happen. For sure. Yeah. What, a division. what a division. What a division. Super excited for that. Also, super, super excited for you guys to go hit that follow uh, like, subscribe, whatever it may be on your podcast listening service of choice. That way, you know when the episodes drop, when the F updates drop, you'll get notified of all that. Also, while you're at it, just go take a break. Go over to to X, you know, formerly Twitter, uh, which, by the way, fuck them for putting that giant bright light up on the roof. That's like screwing it. Can you imagine your apartments across the street? <laughs> like, hey, man, fuck you. Yeah, I'm trying to sleep. Like, 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 this I, isn't cool. It's marketing. I get it. I'm not bothered. By, I'm more bothered by the name changes. I think it's dumb. But still, yeah. but I'm I digress. bothered. Yeah, go to it. Yes, go over uh, 2X to Twitter. Uh, follow us at number one BS pod. That way you can uh, see our fight picks, which your boy got one back nice. this week. Uh, and then also you can vote in that <laughs> featured prelim poll. You guys got it right this week uh, with Bon theme. Nice. Uh, so go over at number one BS pod. Do it. And then something with this card that not necessarily the fights, but something you do want to talk about. So there's always been this talk about how you get your show money and your win money. And apparently it's not show money. Mm. It's just your fight purse. And what I mean by that is you don't get paid for making weight. And we found that out. Uh, you know, we don't see the language of the contracts, but apparently Wonder Boy did not get paid even though he made weight because he was then offered to get a percentage of Pajeda's purse to make the fight happen, and he said no. And so because he said no and didn't compete, he doesn't get paid, which is insane. Like, Thankfully, it's somebody like Wonder Boy who has had a career and is not hurting for money, but like, what kind of bully strong-arm tactic is that for if this is somebody who doesn't have that, right? There was a the Vergara uh Vinicius Salvador fight, right? Like Salvador missed weight, but Vergara took the fight. 
But what if it was something where it's like a edge of the top 15, a guy doesn't want to fight somebody who did not live up to their contractual obligation to make weight. And because at the end of the day, if you lose, you lose, right? Like we've seen that before. We've seen it with guys not making weight with Yoel Romero, Darren Till, where they still get wins and it moves them along. And you're putting yourself at such risk to do that. Like I, I absolutely hate that for fighters now. Um, I do too. And it's one of those things where it's like, because we're just learning this, right? Like we both assumed that you, you made weight. You were there to fight. It's not like one of them. I'm not even going to weigh in. He can't. Even, no, he, he, he did everything he was supposed to do except for right uh, on the night of, but if you're not going to get that, you have to make the con like Izzy said, make the consequences so absurd, like 90% of your purse that it makes you be like, okay, I'll take the risk of fighting someone that didn't do their contractable obligation. But if it's only, what is it? 25, what is it? 20, 25, 30. Um, maybe that's not a good motivator for someone that still needs to drain himself. What? Three pounds. He still had three pounds to go. What is, I mean, you're right. If if I beat you and I was drained, I wasn't drained. I'm gonna go on to fight someone better. I'm gonna go on to be looked at. Um, I really don't mind Stephen Wonderboy Thompson not taking this fight. I, I his approach, I am not arguing with. I understand when people have to take it or they choose to. Um, but him not doing it doesn't doesn't lose any credit in my book. Um, yeah. I hope we see him in there again soon. But this this new thing that like, I mean, you told me about it either last night or this morning, or it had to be last night. It, it's just bizarre. It's like he showed up, you know. Yeah, I don't want to fight because if the guy popped for steroids, I still wouldn't want to fight. I wouldn't, you know, I I wouldn't want to do it. Cormier was the only person that was like, let John Jones fight. But it's yeah. it's it's quote cheating. It's an unfair competitive advantage that we know about, and I don't want to fight him. I don't blame him. Yeah, well, and ultimately, too, like you're getting a percentage of what the other guy gets paid. So if the other guy is on like a 24 and 24 contract, exactly. like that's very different accepting that fight versus a guy who's on a 100 and 100 yep. contract, right? And it's my understanding because the win is a bonus. It's not part of the fight purse that you don't get a percentage of that if the other person wins. I can't substantiate that without knowing the actual language of the contract, but that was something that I had heard don't know if that part of it's true or not, but like ultimately at the end of the day, you're putting fighters in such a shitty position because they've, they still have to pay their coaches for camp. Like they still have to do all that. And then now you're going to say, well, unless you go in there against somebody who has an unfair competitive advantage, sorry. Yeah. Which is just, it's, uh, it's bizarre. Um, now one thing that I did here that I kind of like deduct a point right from the start, right uh, from the start of it, if you accept it, because then, now hear me out, because then you are, if you're saying it's a competitive advantage, now you are attempting to level the playing field of the competitive advantage aspect of it. I, I don't, I don't, I'll have to think on that. Uh, I don't like that because I wouldn't want to see that in any other sport. Imagine any football game for some reason starting with, you know, seven points up. I, I, I don't care for that aspect. And I say that in the moment. Uh, because I haven't thought about it, but if you're gonna if you're gonna start the fight, I think it should be at an even even start in terms of uh, cri judging criteria. Um, I I I rather see people not take the fight like Wonder Boy, but the problem is, and this is a big problem for a sport that you feel people are underpaid. 
the person that can't afford, hey, I just had all these people train me for this whole camp. They got to eat. I can't I can't say no. And then now this person didn't even take the time to maybe deplete themselves. Um, uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. Um, but going into next week, uh, we have UFC Fight Night in Nashville. Uh, some great fights coming up. But I would like to hear from you on who some people that we need to be watching this week. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, first person that comes to mind is Asu uh, Almabayev. And you're probably like, who the hell is Asu Almabayev? Uh, he is a uh, flyweight. He's taking on uh, Ode Osborne. He is a teammate of Shavkat. So mm-hmm. from Kazakhstan, greatest country in the world, uh, t- teammate of Shavkat. So that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, but he's 17 and two uh, with 11 finishes, three KOs, eight eight submissions. Um, so just just somebody, you know, and obviously when you're fighting in that part of the world, the level of competition isn't always the great, you know, the, the greatest, uh, but just somebody to keep your eye on uh, there. And then uh, another person who we've seen fight in the UFC before, uh, Diego Lopez. Uh, he's taking on Gavin Tucker at featherweight. He's the guy that came in on very short notice to fight uh, Mosar of Loyev. Uh, had him in danger a, a couple times. He's out of that camp with, we've seen him in the corner a few times because he uh, corners Irene Aldana and Alexa Grasso. You know, say what you want about Aldana's last performance, uh, but he's the a grappling coach for, for Grasso. Right, who just submitted Shevchenko. Yeah. So obviously they're doing very, very good things in that camp. He's 21 and six, 19 finishes, you know, spread pretty evenly, eight and 11, 11 submissions. Uh, we're going to see him with a full camp, right? Like, so that this is going to be really interesting to see. Now, the guy he's fighting, Gavin Tucker, uh, has not fought since March of 2021 when he got knocked out in Oof. 22 seconds by Dan Ige. Uh, you know, was supposed to fight Pat Sabatini a couple of times. Those fights got canceled, uh, but he's had, you know, a, a two and a half year layoff, uh, but focuses on Diego Lopez to see that, you know, what he does with a full camp. Uh, another flyweight prospect here, Jake Hadley, white Kong, as he's called, taking on Cody Durden. He's Ted, excuse me, 10 and one, three KOs, five submissions, two and one in the UFC lost his, uh, I believe it was the UFC debut. Uh, but when he's aggressive, he is fucking scary. Scary mixes it up to all three levels, attacks the legs, the body, the head. Uh, really nice body work. Y'all know by now I am a big fan of the body work, uh, and he hurts people to the body. Now he does have a tendency to get controlled a little bit on the ground. He likes to play jujitsu, as as people like to say. Uh, but he he gets submissions. I think he has submissions in his last two fights. So uh, it's working for him, obviously, at the higher levels. You know, maybe once he gets into the Makayevs of the world, uh, you can't do that. But Really, really uh, exciting prospect. Now, just be ready for Cody Durden to miss weight because the last two guys that fought Jake Hadley missed weight. So uh, going for the trifecta here. Uh, But it's going to be interesting. You know, Durden will wrestle and it'll be interesting to see if he, uh, what Hadley does, if he's more urgent in defending the takedown because Durden took his last opponent down 11 times on 18 attempts. So if it's working for him, he'll do it. Uh, So interesting to see if, if Hadley can defend the takedown or if he just thinks his jujitsu is that good we shall find out uh and then on the main card and i went back and forth if i should highlight this as a f- interesting fight or interesting fighter i i went with the latter uh, ignacio baja mondes lightweight 14 and 4 nine knockouts uh one submission he's three and one in the ufc he's also somebody coming off the contender series uh, with a crazy highlight reel knockout got didn't necessarily 
show us who he was in his UFC debut against John McDessey, uh, but he's still only 25 years old. Really, really very crisp striking. He's tall for the weight class, and he might be 6'3". Uh, trains with Bilal, so you know the grappling is going to always be getting better, uh, and he's taking on no joke. Ludovic Klein is is not somebody to be trifled with. Uh, he's nineteen four and one, so you're you know, you're getting a real legitimate test for for the young gun here. Uh, but yeah, all one fifty five and below for the people we're highlighting this week. Love it. You know my opinion on the uh, the lighter weight classes. And then going into the fights, first off, our. <laughs> Featured prelim, we got Billy Q, Billy Quarantillo taking on uh, Damon Action Jackson. Uh, used to be called the Leech. Actually, kind of a cool story as, as to why he changed his nickname. Uh, his brother uh, used to go by Action Jackson in his high school football career, uh, and his brother had had passed uh, right before Damon Jackson's fight against Pat Sabatini. Went on to finish Sabatini in like a minute something which was not what people are expecting because Sabatini's one of those like prospect of prospect type guys, uh, obviously so emotionally charged. You saw it in the cage afterwards where he finally, you know, Damon Jackson had that time to take a breath and just totally broke down in the cage as you would expect. Uh, but he took on the, the action Jackson mantle uh, for that. Uh, yeah. For that fight. So he loved to see it. And then also it's pretty fitting for him. He's a constant movement, always circling kind of guy. Uh, so, you know, Billy Quarantillo is relentless now. He's somebody that is always going to be moving forward, uh, and he's never going to give up on himself. He was getting absolutely beat up by Alex Hernandez, uh, but then just absolutely put it on him in the second round, broke him. I mean, I'm just, you know, I hate to say grown men that choose to step into a cage and fight other trained fighters for a living get broken, but yep. but he did. You know, he, it happens. He I mean, we, we, we've seen it. Uh, unfortunately, we've yep. seen it. I would be broken every fight, so I'm not talking shit. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes you see it, right? Yeah. And then he he looked great coming into his his fight against Edson Barbosa. Was looking really good early. Barbosa picked up on something as a wily vet, yep. where he realized that uh, that Billy Q once he gets you to the cage, he's going to throw throw and then shoot the takedown. Sure enough. Uh, he caught him the the second time he did it. He caught him with the knee, put him out cold. Was was a filthy, filthy knockout. Uh, but Billy Q was looking good before that. I think this is going to be a nonstop action, aggressive type fight in the feature prelim, which is what we always want. And that's what happens when you fight these vets. Is they they they're vets. They have experience for a reason. Experience goes a long way, right? And you learn from it. But now he has the experience of it, right? Change up your gameplay. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. They show you the holes in, in your game. A jujitsu instructor that I had uh, always used to say, you know, you don't know there's a leak in your roof until it starts raining, Fair right? Enough. And, like, he was Love always it. talking about, like, you don't know the holes in your game until somebody exposes you. Now, it sucks when you get exposed on national television, you know, but I I think Billy Q is the type of guy where, you know, that water ain't coming in through that hole ever again. Hopefully you know? not, yeah. 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 And then we also have uh, – I swear the matchmakers are, you know, listen to the podcast because uh, we got Dustin Jacoby versus Kennedy and Zechaku, number 14 versus number 15 at light heavyweight. Mm. Uh, yeah, this, this is an exciting one just because uh, it's, I think it's going to be a stand up war. You know, Jacoby has. Island, dude. Yes. Yeah. Jacoby has like K1 level kickboxing, yeah. right? Like K1 glory. I forget which one he actually competed in, but uh, elite of the elite level kickboxing, but he needs a win. 
he's coming off two losses in a row, a close one to Khalil Roundtree. It's one of those where whoever won that one, you know, you couldn't argue the decision, but also if you're the person that lost, you couldn't argue it because ultimately it was that close uh, of a fight. And then he lost to undefeated Azamat, uh, Mirza Khanoff, uh, yeah, it looked like Jacoby kind of gassed out a little bit in that fight. Uh, but prior to that, he had a seven-fight unbeaten streak, you know, before dropping two in a row, which is why you still see a guy who never really got into the top 10, who's on a two-fight losing streak, still being in the in the top 10 because or top 15, because he has put on uh those those performances, right? And Zechiku, you want to talk about just physically. The guy is enormous, six foot eleven inch reach. Uh, now, because he has that build, you know, the long build, You ex- some people might expect him to be twitchy like an Adesanya, like a John Jones. He's not an overly twitchy athlete, and by that, I, I'm using kind of some football coach speak uh, from, from back in my past life, uh, but basically somebody who's who's real quick, right? We used to call that a, a twitchy athlete. And Zechiku's not that. It's more kind of slow movement. You would expect him with his length to really play it from the outside. He doesn't. He has nasty clinch work, nasty, great knees up the middle, filthy, filthy elbows in the clinch, really hurts people in in the clinch with those elbows. Uh, And he gets hurt and then says, fuck you, right? Like, I'm coming back for you. Uh, You know, it it happened against Devin Clark. It happened against Ion Kutalaba. And it happened against one of the biggest prospects at 205 right now in Carlos Olbert, Mm -hmm. where... You look at Carlos Olberg's record, he's got one L, and that was Kennedy and Zechiku in a fight where he was beating up in Zechiku, and he's just tough, resilient. One of the good things about being a big dude, you can take a beating, yep. uh, and just came back and wore out Olberg. So what's going to happen here, right? Neither one of these guys goes away. <laughs> Both of these guys are are there till the bitter end. Yeah, this is like a this is this is going to be a good. I think this is going to be a good stand up, but I mean. You know, I can't Kennedy, his uh he he can he can submit you too. So this is this is yeah. an exciting one. This is this is a good like fourteen and fifteen. They like they're they're right at where they need to be. This is a great matchup. I love it. Yeah. And then uh our co main event, uh this was supposed to be Tatiana Suarez taking on uh Vinajin Jadoba, which I was actually really excited about because it was like jujitsu versus wrestling. Janjadoba uh had to pull out, and so now uh, it is Jessica Andrade filling in because she's still apparently 135, 125, 115. She didn't give a shit. She's going to yeah. fight at all the weight classes. Uh, now Andrade is number five. Uh, Suarez is number 10, which doesn't make sense to me because it's been uh, four years since Suarez's hard. last fight at strawweight. She won at flyweight, and they put her in the strawweight rankings. Um it would have been really cool to see this fight four years ago, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when Absolutely. Suarez was like on the brink and Andrade was title, you know, level fighter. It's not quite the same, but this is far and away the toughest test that Suarez has ever had just from a, a the name of who she's fighting. Yeah, absolutely. And and for Suarez to come off of this long layoff to fight an Andrade, probably not ideal, right? Because Andrade... Her, I mean, his, she, her history has she shown. She did have the 125 at, against Montana oh, De La Rosa. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, you're correct. But Andrade still has that maybe in her, right? Like, maybe she can still do it. Um, her last last performance especially was rough. Yep. But Suarez, 
You always talk about prospects of prospects, right? She is a prospect. You have to win this fight. Suarez has to come out. You have to almost bully her, which she can. But you can't. What she does. Yeah, you cannot come out and have a close fight or even drop a fight. You can't. This is, unfortunately, I don't want to have this urgency for somebody that isn't my career. But this is a must win for Suarez. It's a must win. Agreed, because especially when you look at what the last two prospects did to Andrade. Yeah. Right? Like when you see what Aaron Blanchfield did to Andrade, yep. when you see what Shonen Yan did to her, like that's Suarez was the prospect of prospect four years ago. Yeah. Right? So, like, are you still that? So, you better put on a great performance here because if this is like a close back and forth split decision type thing, you, know, you hate to say it, but at that point, has the game passed Suarez by? You know, did did all of the surgeries and all of those things. I mean, she had cancer previously in her life. She had neck surgeries, knee surgeries. Like, has that taken its toll? We fit not finding out, yeah, right? No, I mean, so, it's, it's going to be exciting. I mean, this this for me is a, a quote fighter to watch. But if Andrade comes out there and looks like a dog, I mean, like, all right, you got to give her credit too. You know, even though it's, yep. you know, like, even though it's Suarez who hasn't fought in four. I mean, he's fought one, she's fought one time in four years. If if Andrade finds something new in her, it's great. But um, biasly, I'll be pulling for Suarez. I want to see I want to see her in the mix and see what the career looks like. Yeah, she was somebody years ago we were super excited about. Uh, and speaking of super excited, our main event, uh, Sanhagen versus Font. Now this was supposed to be uh, Sanhagen was supposed to be taking on Umar uh, Nurmagomedov. He had a shoulder injury. Uh, yeah, it would have been awesome. Yeah. Rob Font was supposed to be taking on Song Yadong at 292. So uh, Yadong got hurt. Nurmagomedov got hurt. Makes sense. Pair these two together. Uh, it is at a catchway to 140, just because Font is big for 135 and was not preparing for a fight this soon. Got to give him credit for taking it. This is another scenario like we talked about uh, when. We were talking about the Cheeto Pedro Munoz fight. Like, if this had been announced initially, would be like, cool, this is an awesome fight. Absolutely. Like, I'm really excited for this. Uh, but it does feel like a bit of a letdown because we were really excited for Sandhagen, uh, Nurmaga Madoff. But Rob Font, man, he's so tough. And I think we let the performances against Aldo and Cheeto kind of cloud our minds a little bit. I mean, he was touching up Cheeto. Cheeto's just tough, too. Yeah. You know, uh, what Font just did to Adrian Yanez, like, people, Adrian Yanez is, is no punk. Like, people were a little scared of that guy, right? It was tough for him to get some fights. Uh, but Font, Font's whole game predicated off the jab, yep. right? That That's his whole thing is is coming off the jab. But what, how's that going to, to look uh, against somebody like Sanhagen, who's so crafty, switches stances nonstop? Right. And the jab doesn't work as well if it's not a mirrored stance. Yep. So I, I want to know is Sanhagen going to intentionally, and he's a very thoughtful fighter, does he go southpaw to help mitigate the jab? Now, I get stance switching is a huge part of his game and he's not just going to abandon orthodox, but does he base more out of southpaw to, to try to mitigate that jab? Because once Font gets a jab going, now you got the one, two. Now you got the uppercut coming off the jab. You know, I mean, his one, if he gets that established, you are. You're in trouble, right? Like you, you are in trouble. Yeah, and and it's not like Font gets KO, TKO'd. You know, it's like he's that tough. Now he's a little bit less drained, right? Like he doesn't have to make the full weight cut that you usually would. Um, this is like like you said, this this fight originally matchup is amazing, 
It's just you kind of want to see, um, yeah. you know, the other. But, uh, yeah, I really think that Sanhagen has an opportunity to make a, like, really, like, I'm I'm still up up in the mix. And Rob Font, you know, he, he won his last fight, but he did lose to Cheeto. He did lose to Aldo. Cheeto lost to Sanhagen. It's like, it's like one of those things where you don't want to do MMA math, but you're fighting a guy that beat a guy that beat you. So it's kind of like yeah. you get this win you get that win kind of back, but we'll see. Yeah, it's a must win for Font. He's 35 yeah. years old, right? Like yeah. at this weight class, there's so many killers. Like it, it's now or never, right? Because if you beat Sanhagen, boom, you're up there. You're absolutely. in title talks, right? So like the absolute must win. One thing to keep an eye on, and Font gets marked up. He gets touched and marked up. Yep. He was uh, His face looked horrible against Cheeto. Uh, and then even in the Yanez fight, which was like a minute and a half fight, his face, his eye was already swelling, was already getting marked up. And San Sanhagen hurts people. Yeah. Right. Like he sharp elbows, knees, like he hurts people. So just something to to keep an eye on during that fight. And then we have our announcements. Um there was a four pretty big ones. There are some other ones, uh, but four big ones that I want to talk about. First one is is on the Singapore card that's uh headlined by Max Holloway, Korean Zombie, which I really hope they stop using the picture of Max Holloway with no facial hair. It doesn't look like him. I don't know who it is when they put it on there. <laughs> let, let that man have his goatee. Uh, but that one's coming up here in, in just a few weeks on uh, August 26th. The return of Giga Chikadze. Nice. Uh, the man has not fought since January of 2022, almost two years off. Uh, number nine, taking on Bruce Leroy, yep. right? The Bruce Leroy is getting that chance now. He's fought down so many times. He's at 15. He's getting a shot at number nine, right? In a probably his best chance at somebody in the top 10, just based on the fact that he's coming off of such a long layoff. Uh, but this might be a y'all must have forgot moment for, for Giga as well, because his last fight, he got. He got beat up yeah. by Calvin Cater, um, and so really good uh, opportunity there. I'm I'm just juiced to see Giga back. Whenever prospects come back, like awesome. And and Bruce Leroy is no joke, dude. Like this is such a good fight, and this is huge for him. Um, and if uh, Giga Chikidze beats Bruce Lee, it's not like oh you just beat no you beat a guy that's like showing his ass right now. So this is a great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is the best Bruce Leroy we've seen. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Like he, so yeah, not not an easy fight for Chikadze. And then September twenty third, they have not announced a headliner uh, for this card yet, but it's a fight night. We got two big big fights on this one. One of these might end up being the the main event, I would imagine. But we got Danny Gay uh, taking on Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell. Great match. Yeah, great great matchup there. You know, is Ige is wrestling right? Is he going to be able to handle? that attack from Bryce Mitchell. Uh, and then also Bryce Mitchell coming off of, uh, you know, getting beat up yeah. by, by Ilya Teporia. Yep. You know, can, can he come back from that? What is his mind like? And then the fight that I think is going to end up being the main event uh, is a lightweight, whoo, number seven, Matush Gamrot uh, versus number six, uh, Rafael Fazeev, or Rafael, sorry, he's not Brazilian. What am I doing? <laughs> Rafael Fazeev, uh, Man, a grappler versus striker, right? You have a grappler of the highest order in Matush Gamera, and you have one of the best strikers in probably in MMA, you know, just from a technicality standpoint in Fazeev. Uh, you tell us a lot about both of them. Yeah, right? I mean, Can Fazeev coming Fazeev off that, overcome it? Yeah, coming off that Gaethje loss, which it was a close fight. I mean... Yeah, um, closer than their faces looked. 100%. 
Good point. Yeah. So this is this is a fun one, dude. Yeah, you're you're probably right. Like, if, unless they have something else out of these two fights, I would I would imagine it's a heavier weight, yeah. but also I think it's a better matchup. Right? Yeah, both guy, both Gamera and Fazeev have headlined fight nights before. Like, those are guys that are a win or two away from title contention. They need five round experience. Give it to them. Let's do it. Uh, and then another long awaited return. Uh, also in the featherweight division. Uh, in October 14th, they announced Sadiq Youssef coming back uh, against Edson Barbosa. Uh, for Youssef, it'll be the biggest biggest name on his ledger if he can beat Barbosa. If you're Barbosa, this is a fight you need. Yep. You you gotta you have to when you get an opportunity this late in your career to fight up. Right, he's coming off fighting Corntillo, who I don't believe was ranked at the time. And now you're getting an opportunity, a guy number eleven that a lot of people, a lot of people think is a legitimate future title contender. Got to make the most of it. Yep, you got to win. This right. Game. Yep. Especially at your yeah. age, you got to win. Yeah. So, I mean, every one of those just awesome fight announcements. Yes. Uh, this last week. Uh, anything else on on your end you want to talk about? Yeah, we're not going to do this too often, guys. But every once in a while boxing will be coming up and we just had terrence crawford versus earl spence jr and it was a fight that anticipated was going to be this classic back and forth and it was a one-sided outside of the first round it was a one-sided once in a lifetime performance of his life um performance by terrence bud crawford dude it was insane spence has never been knocked down got knocked down three times um Realistically, the it's a TKO stoppage, but uh, he was just getting pummeled in the ninth round. Um, it is a, it wasn't a back and forth like you know the anticipation of it, but it is a. I think it's a must watch to see a generational talent where this guy has been talking that shit. Like I'm not scared of nobody. I've been telling you guys these guys are not my level, and then you have Spence, who people really, you know, I thought it was going to be a close fight, and you watch it and you're just like. There's levels, and Terrence Crawford's on a different level. He's got all the belts now. Um, if you're not into boxing, I completely understand. I can't watch full events, but sometimes I do like to watch the named matchups, and this was a good one, man. This was a good one. Right, so Crawford, Spence, go check it out uh, to see a lot of what a lot of people are saying now is arguably pound for pound. Oh, yeah. Best fighter I on mean, planet Earth. Yeah, it's hard to Crawford. argue. Yeah, it's hard to argue against it right now. He's so good. And to, for boxing, they had two events back-to-back weeks where because in a way you know everyone was saying oh he's got to be pound for pound one of the best now and then you know bug crawford is like hey you know hold my practice mitts here 100 100 he brought eminem out which was super bizarre but if that's the performance you have after 2003 not 2023 (laughs) yeah if you have him coming out with that performance i'm doing it every time i like i say it's it's worth a watch if you don't you don't like boxing it's not worth a watch but it's worth a watch to see like a generational talent Awesome. Awesome. I will be checking that one out. Um, Once again, make sure you're following uh, the podcast on whatever service you got. Also make sure you're following us on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it now uh, at number one BS pod. As always, brother, appreciate you. Love and respect.